yourself religious or spiritual, we all have some kind of belief. And our beliefs are a combination of things we have heard or read or were told. It's a mixture of things we've experienced and things that we hope for. And some of the things you believe are true, and some are false, and some are mostly true, and some are mostly false. And all these beliefs are wrapped up together in our heads. And uh, I don't know about you, but have you guys seen this meme where it shows, like, I was today years old when I learned that? Yeah. All the time I read those, and I'm like, I had no idea. The other day I was reading one, and it's like, did you know that the little dial on a toaster, that's minutes of toasting, not levels of toastiness? And I was like, I didn't know that. I thought that was, like, level five toastiness, you know? And that's what I went for. That's minutes. I had no idea. I was today years old. If you had asked me, I would have told you that's the level of toastiness. And that would have been half true. That would have been a full truth. And we have all kinds of beliefs in our heads like that. And when it comes to what we believe about faith or God, the people who told us about Jesus also believed some other things that were true, some other things that were false. They believed some half-truths and half-falsehoods. And they didn't do this because they were malicious, but because they're human. They're just like you and me. And when they told us about Jesus, they also, also told us about some of their other beliefs. And because we've received them from the same people who told us about Jesus, we held these beliefs as equal to or connected to our beliefs in Jesus. Because we were handed these beliefs together, we held them in equal weight. But at certain dramatic moments in our lives, something happens and we have to stop and re-examine our beliefs. And in this cultural moment right now, if you get online and you do a quick Google search, or you go to social media, there's this buzzword that's developed, deconstruction. Anybody, like you've seen it online, you've heard people talk about it, maybe you talk to a friend and they're like, I'm deconstructing my faith. Um, there's thousands of blogs and millions of posts about it. So today we're gonna talk about what is it? Is it good, is it bad, should we be doing it? How should we be doing it? Deconstruction imagines our beliefs like a cobbled together building. Some pieces are really well made. They're made out of concrete and steel. And other pieces are held together by really weak or shoddy materials. They're like thrown together with cardboard and duct tape. Deconstruction, at its best, wants to remove the poorly held together parts of your beliefs so that you can build your faith on a firm foundation. What it wants to do is, at its best, it wants to take the half-truths you believed and the falsehoods you believed and replace them with things that are true. Now, imagine everything you believe about Christianity like a big ball of yarn. I think we have a picture of a big ball of yarn. Darby won't let me ruin a bunch of yarn, so we've got a picture instead. The red thread is what you believe about Jesus. You see that all woven in there? Um, but the other threads are things you've picked up from podcasts, from books, from church services, from sermons, from friends, from things you've overheard. Someone is always talking to you in life. Someone's always talking at you, and our brains are always listening. And so we're constantly picking things up. Have you ever been like, I'm not sure where I heard this, but I've always heard this, so I believe it, you know? And you're like, who told me that first? I don't know. My brain picked it up somewhere. Sometimes the things that we are overhearing and that our brains are listening to are people saying half-truths or half-falsehoods, Another word for deconstruction is disentangling. And that's how I want us to think about it. We're disentangling our faith. We're disentangling our red thread of who Jesus is and what he's about from just kind of all the other stuff we've heard. 
all the different things that we've kind of attached onto it. We're disentangling our beliefs about Jesus from all the extra junk that people have added on over the years. Now, um, a few weeks ago, there was an influential pastor and writer who leads a church planting network uh, who recently publicly, he got up and taught, and he said, people only deconstruct their faith for one of two reasons. Number one, because it's sexy. It's the sexy thing to do right now. That's just what, you know, cool people are doing. Um, or number two, because they want to sin and they want an excuse to sin. Now, I have books written by this guy. I appreciate his intelligence and his ministry and the great work he's done in church planting, but I think he's dead wrong here. I, I think if we're honest, most ministers are afraid that if people start deconstructing some of the weak parts of their faith, that they're going to toss the entire thing in the trash. I, I don't think that has to be the case. Many times, ministers, as, an, as a minister, we imagine faith as so interconnected that if you start pulling at one thing, the entire thing is going to topple. Like if you pull out a Jenga block and the whole thing's just going to fall over. The reality is, though, our entire faith is built on one thing. Our entire faith rests on one thing. It has a single foundation. The entire faith is built on the person of Jesus. Changing your position on one of these other threads doesn't mean you're throwing away everything you believe. It means you're growing. If you never grow, if you never change what you believe about something, you're just like static, that means you're stuck. And the church has had seasons of deconstruction for a long time. If you look back over church history, there's always been seasons of deconstruction. As men heap on more and more added baggage to the good news of Jesus, the church deconstructs and returns to Jesus. In the words of public theologian Kate Boyd, the Reformation was just a deconstruction. So we don't need to be scared of it. It can be really good for us and the church. We need a dismantling or a disentangling of man's opinions from God's truth. Now, right near the beginning of the pandemic, Darby and I have an atheist friend um, who asked us to set up a video call with one of her friends who had some questions about Christianity. And this friend was dating someone who was exploring Christianity, and she was like, I've never believed anything. I need to ask some questions. And our atheist friend was like, Alex and Darby are a safe place to ask questions without judgment. So we set up this video call, and she started asking her questions about Christianity and her barriers and her issues with it. And I quickly realized this lady had very few objections or problems with the core message of Christianity. What she was struggling with was different versions of American Christianity that she had encountered in her life. She had issues with things that American Christians said were essential, but had been topics that the, the historic church had disagreed about for 2,000 years. And this is one of the reasons that I think deconstruction can be so important and so good. We've added a lot of unnecessary beliefs to our faith that have become burdens or barriers to people coming and apprenticing under Jesus. Sometimes the biggest barrier to our friends and family coming to faith is not Jesus. It's all this extra stuff we've added on. Christianity is a big umbrella, and there's parts of the Christian faith that are very clear, that we just like, you have to be agreed on this. But then there's lots of parts that are very fuzzy, and we shouldn't hold the fuzzy and clear parts equally. Because when we do, we end up restricting access to Jesus, and people need Jesus. Okay, so that's the intro. Are you ready to deconstruct with me? Let's break down our faith, figure out what are the core beliefs. 
Are we ready to toss away the baggage that humans have added to the faith and build a foundation on what's, on what's secure? Let's deconstruct, okay? Can I get a, can I get a, uh, a shout? Let's deconstruct! Yeah, okay. We're in Matthew chapter 5. I said we were done in Matthew, and look, we're back in Matthew. Um, we're just going to hit a couple verses, though. Matthew 5, verse 21. This is Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago. Let's jump down to verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, verse 28, but I tell you, verse 31, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, verse 32, but I tell you, verse 33, again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break an oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made, verse 34, but I tell you, verse 38, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, verse 39, but I tell you, Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what you were taught by good religious people who thought they wanted your best. Verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you and persecute you. So would Jesus be pro-deconstruction? He seemed to be right here, right? He was like, you've been taught this thing. You've been so well-trained by good religious folks who thought they had your best interests, but they told you some things that were true, but also some things that were half-true, and some things that were false, and some things that were half-true. And Jesus says, we need to reset some of our beliefs. Jesus tells the crowds, you've heard this your whole life, but it's not what I would tell you. And I think if Jesus walked in here physically today, he would say, you've heard some things your whole life as you've been around church and American Christianity, but it's not what I would tell you. It's not the truth. It's not the whole truth. And you might sum up the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus unlearning the audience so that he can learn, get them to a place where they could learn. And yes, I know that's grammatically bad, but I said it that way so I could show a picture of Yoda. Yeah. I just look for any opportunity to show a picture of Yoda, right? Sometimes we need to deconstruct what we believed about God or faith, but sometimes we need to deconstruct what we have believed about ourselves. There are things you believe about yourself that Jesus would reply, you've heard that your whole life, but that's not what I would say to you. You've heard it said that you're unlovable, you're a failure, you're worthless, but he says to you, you are loved. You're loved so much that I would die for you. I have plans for you to prosper you and give you a hope. You've heard you're a troublemaker. No, you are a co-heir in my kingdom. You are a son or a daughter of the most high king of heaven. Sometimes we have to unlearn so that we can learn. And there are some things that we have heard or we've been taught or we just find ourselves naturally thinking because of our culture or our family of upbringing that Jesus would respond that's not what I would say to you. Let me change how you think about that. We need to re-examine everything we believe through the lens of Jesus. Our beliefs shouldn't be examined through the lens of denominations or networks or political parties because men make mistakes, but Jesus doesn't. Now, when my parents came to faith, we were not a Christian family when I was a kid, and long story, but we started attending church. My mom came to faith, started praying for my dad. Eventually, he came to faith. We started attending churches, and we eventually fell in with a group called Fundamentalists. Yeah, yeah. It, it was an experience. Fundamentalists exist in all religions, right? You can find Islamic fundamentalists. You can find Christian fundamentalists. 
Um, but fundamentalists in every religion always say the same thing. You either agree with us on everything or you're out. Only the people who agree with us on everything are in. They imagine themselves as the gatekeepers or the policemen for the entire religion and the only true practitioners of the faith. Man, that, that makes a mark on your emotional and spiritual well-being when you're a teenager and you enter into fundamentalism. Um, but I see a lot of fundamentalist thinking throughout American Christianity where we're so confident that our beliefs are wrong and every other branch of Christianity is dead wrong. We're so confident that our beliefs are right and every other branch of Christianity is dead wrong. Deconstruction, though, requires a great deal of humility because it starts by us asking, could I be wrong about this? Am I so certain about this belief that I couldn't possibly be wrong? Sometimes I'll see somebody say something online and I'm like, that's so wrong. And then I think, wait a minute, let me step back for a minute. Could they be seeing something I'm not seeing? Am I so certain that I'm right, that I'm not, uh, that I might not be missing something? When I see people online bragging that they didn't need to deconstruct their faith because they're 100% certain about everything they have believed, I don't think they're revealing how much faith they have. I think they're revealing how much arrogance they have, that they never stop and consider the fact that they might be wrong about something. Now, at this point, you might have some objections. You might be like, Alex, I'm just checking out Christianity. I'm not sure. I'm all in. And now you're telling me to deconstruct the few things I actually believe. You're a minister. Shouldn't ministers be getting us to believe things, not to unbelieve things, not to question the things we believe, not dismantle the beliefs we already have? I believe that believing the wrong things is the biggest barrier to believing the right things. And until we're willing to question some of our wrong beliefs, we're not going to replace them with right beliefs. Until we dismantle what we shouldn't believe, there will be something in the space where true transformational belief should live in our lives. If we look at the Christian faith in America, the last 40 years has been a phenomenon uh, across denominations and networks, across all aspects of the Christian faith. It's really been focused on giving simple answers to people's complex problems. That's really what the church growth movement has been about in the last 40 years. And there's a lot of good things about this. This was done with the best intentions. It was done with the hope of reaching more people with the good news of Jesus. They're like, how can we simplify it so we reach more people? Love that. I think that's a good heart. But the, the reality is, the result has been a lot of people were given really simple answers to really hard things in their lives, and that led to having unstable pieces in their belief. Simplistic answers don't hold up to the weight of reality when you lose someone you love, when nothing seems to work out your way, when it seems like God is against you and not for you. When you run these simplistic answers out to their logical conclusions, they simply don't work. And what we find is a lot of people end up leaving the faith because they were given really weak elements to build their faith with. This is why I think we need to deconstruct what we believe, and we need to rebuild on the firm foundation of Jesus. Now, most of us were handed faith like a Jenga tower, and we were just handed this whole thing. We were told if you pull out one piece, the entire thing might crumble. I had some pastor friends in Tennessee, and they were just kind of checking Sometimes they're like, you still hold all these beliefs right. Because if you change position on one belief, then you are on a slippery slope to completely leave the faith. 
In Tennessee, I don't think there was ever a sermon preached that didn't include the phrase slippery slope. They love slippery slopes. They talk about them all the time. They're like, if you change on a single issue, you're on a slippery slope to completely leave the faith. That kind of fear-mongering, though, keeps us stuck and prevents us from growing and makes us forget something really important to the Christian faith. We were always built on only a single block. The Christian faith is one block. Jesus. That's the only block we need. And if everything else topples, that's okay, as long as you hold on to this one. This is the one that has to stay. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. His life and death and resurrection and ascension is the core belief behind this 2,000-year-old movement. As long as we don't lose him, everything else is extra. He's what we have to hold on to and not lose. A lot of other stuff can be dismantled. A lot of other stuff are things that we've become familiar with, things that we prefer. They've become things that aren't essential to the Christian faith, but have been, we've used and got so attached to that they've become barriers and boundaries to people coming to Jesus. Now, when I became a Christian, I was handed political views, views on the role of women, views on science, and views on society that were given to me by the same people who told me about Jesus, and whether intentionally or not, I held them in the exact same regard as I did my belief about Jesus. I thought they were all interconnected. I thought if I changed position on any of them, I was changing my position on Jesus. But Christianity is not primarily about how the world started or which political party is right. Christianity is not even primarily about where you go when you die. Christianity is primarily about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I want to reframe what we've been taught, what we believe around Jesus. Does this sound like Jesus? Does this treat people like Jesus would? Is this founded on Jesus' central command to love God and love others? See, I believe Jesus is the lens through which all our false beliefs crumble. You have to look at everything through the lens of Jesus. And when I encounter things in here, or I encounter things in here or out there that don't make any sense, I look at them through the lens of Jesus. When I have beliefs up here that don't make sense when I run them out to their logical conclusion, I have to look at them through the lens of Jesus. We need to deconstruct what we believe about ourselves. Say, what does Jesus believe about me? We need to rebuild on what Jesus says about us. We need to deconstruct what we believe about God and rebuild on what Jesus says about him. We need to deconstruct what we believe about our faith and rebuild on what Jesus says about it. I believe that if Christianity is true, it can stand up to honest doubt and open, heartfelt questions. We don't need to be afraid of people deconstructing if this is true. If Jesus is real and this is truth, then what am I scared of? If people ask enough questions, they'll find that the answer is Jesus, right? We only need to be afraid of people asking hard questions and wrestling through doubt if this is something fake that we need to keep people deceived about. We don't need to be afraid of people deconstructing because the only things that can be broken are false beliefs. Jesus is bedrock. There's a name for a faith that blindly asks for loyalty and doesn't allow you to ask questions or call out those in authority. We call them cults. Christianity is not a cult. 
And we need a space where it's safe to ask questions and wrestle with doubt and re-examine our faith. See, deconstruction isn't about losing our faith in Christ. It's about finding it. And I want us to find it and find it more sure and richer and deeper than we've ever seen before. In the popular video game Minecraft, the world is made up of blocks of different materials, and every block in the game can be broken or destroyed given the right tools, all except one. There's one block that can't be destroyed. Does anybody know what it is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where's Keen at? He would know bedrock is unbreakable. You can't break bedrock. You can mine it with a diamond pickaxe for days and it won't break. You can pack TNT around it and it won't explode. Jesus is our bedrock. And when we encounter Christians acting in ways that make us want to leave our faith, when we experience heartbreak that makes us want to abandon our beliefs, Jesus is the bedrock that doesn't break. And that's what I want us to get back to in this series is how can we build on Jesus? Maybe some of this other stuff falls and that's okay because Jesus is the bedrock that doesn't break. So as we end this morning, I wanted to ask you to pray a dangerous prayer with me. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here. Pray this dangerous prayer with me if you're up for it. I think prayer is dangerous because I think there's actually a God who hears us and acts when we pray for things that he wants. This is the prayer. Jesus, if I have believed anything false or half true, will you dismantle that belief through the people I meet, the experiences I have, and the information I receive? You said the Holy Spirit would guide me into all truth, help me deconstruct the false things I have believed, and build my faith on Let's pray. And just take a minute, and if you will, pray this. The prayer is going to be up here, and let's pray.